close encounters of the third kind. Actual contact. To me, it looks like a level kind to me. All I gotta do is look up in the tree. Who else in the level kind say yeah? yeah! The Sasquatch was approximately eight to ten feet tall. It looked very human-like, but it definitely wasn't a human. After seven years of research, I am more convinced than ever that the creature known as Nessie is a real, living animal. Others find it hard to believe and have come up with their own theories and explanations. Could be a crackhead that got hold to the wrong stuff. Welcome to Mysteriousnesses, episode number 31. I'm your host, John Jane. With me, as always, are the Lances, Michael and Lauren. And Jared's here. I think you hear the ghosts in the background because it is the spookiest episode of the entire year. It's our Halloween episode. What up, all? We're going to be talking about... Ghosts. uh, Hasuka Castle in Blatak, Czech Republic. Huska? Huska? Is it Hauska or is it Huska? I think it's Huska. I call it Huska. Huska sounds more foreign. Miaka. Is that bad? Did I say it like that? Yep. Yeah, that's yeah weird. the way you said it. Yeah, the way I said it? Weird, yeah. You All definitely right. said it with a little bit of southern twang. Oh. Made yeah. it foreign. Ferners. Ferners. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show. We haven't recorded in a while, and we appreciate your patience. Uh, we got a great show for you. We got a lot of spooky stories. We got some cryptozoology stuff, but leading off, uh, Domino's Pizza. Woo-wee. Domino's Japan, not here, you can't get it here. Domino's Japan is selling Halloween roulette pizza, which has a ghost pepper sauce on one random slice. It's because uh, if, was, if they sold it here, somebody would sue, that's why. I was hoping that one slice had the that cuttlefish on it, and like, oh God. you just died. A cuttlefish on it? Which yeah. one's got the cuttlefish on it? Yeah. Is it the, I know, I think it's the blowfish. Yeah, the blowfish <laughs> on that it. That could it's kill like, you. One of these got blowfish on it, you'll die. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. This reminds me of the time that La Lauren mixed an Oreo into one of the burgers, into one of the hamburger yeah, patties. Yeah, and it tasted fucking good, too. I got it. I didn't think it was that I good. I meant yeah, it as a joke, but I don't like that Mike liked it. Yeah, but to be fair, that wasn't burger roulette that, that was specifically set up so that you would get it, John. Oh, it was a conspiracy against me. Yes. It was a burger conspiracy. Oh. It was you, good, though. I was cooking for everyone, <laughs> so you decided to repay me for that kindness. Yeah. With some fun. Yeah, they're mean. <laughs> some good old-fashioned fun. So, uh, it's just in time for Halloween. J- uh, Japanese locations at Domino's are serving up a scare for their very brave or very masochistic. Masoch- masochistic. masochistic. Sorry. Masochistic. Sorry. I'm, yeah, it's not a foreign word, John. I'm very, <laughs> very is, uh, stoned. No, it's Halloween roulette pizza, which contains a single unmarked slice doused in a sauce made from ghost peppers. The Ooh. campaign, which runs through November 4, allows customers to order any pizza of their choice before selecting the free Halloween roulette option, which indicates that the kitchen staff has the go-ahead to spike one slice with a small amount of the seriously hot sauce. The best joke would be to just do the whole pizza. That yeah. would be great. That's. I hope that comes out like like next next week. It was like every roulette pizza, everybody's got their faces burned off. <laughs> I really, I wish I did that over here. This sounds awesome. I know. People would buy that here. Oh, my oh, God. So many people yes. would just prank call. You do the pizza prank. 
Yeah, but then there'd be people who didn't even sign up for the pizza prank, like old women would be like, this pizza's too spicy. I must have gotten I, the ghost I pepper. I would want the ghost pepper one. I would want to try it. Oh, you know you know what? I really just realized why they're not doing it here. It's because Domino's has that stupid pizza insurance promotion going on right now. What? What is pizza insurance? Yeah, if you this order... This is very mysterious. Yeah, if you order a pizza from Domino's and you don't like it, you call their special insurance line... And then they give you a replacement And pizza. you get jerked around oh for an hour and a half. God. Yep. You have to put in the claim. <laughs> Fuck you, Domino's. Oh, Stupid. all right. You know what? I'm, I'm sorry that I shared this. Wow, article. Jared, you ruined the story. <laughs> you ruined my fun Halloween story. <laughs> Domino's did it. <laughs> Excalibur found. 700-year-old sword discovered stuck in a rock. Oh, so what? who's the king? Uh, nobody. Nobody pulled it out. It's no, the, somebody pulled it out. They got it out of there. Uh, legend has it that King Arthur was the only person able to pull Excalibur from a stone, but a newly discovered blade found stuck in a rock in a Bosnian river is being described as a real life Excalibur. Oh, no, this isn't Bosnia. Yeah, the real. No, remember we did a story on the real Excalibur that girl found it in the lake. The lady found it in the lake. No, no, the little girl found a sword in a lake. I know. I love I love stories about swords stuck in lakes and rocks and rivers and such. This yeah. is definitely not Excalibur. So this is a though. fake Excalibur. It looks like shit. This is a 700-year-old sword. Seven, yeah, it is 700 years old. It was discovered more. in the Varbus River and it was found 36 feet underwater stuck in a rock while archaeologists were excavating a uh, nearby castle. See, that's how you know it's not real. It should have been in a lake. Yeah, yeah. this is all all real. the facts are wrong. Yeah. That's just so crazy that a sword could just be stuck for like 700 years in a rock. That is crazy. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. It looks like shit, though. She's right. Yeah, I bet they could polish that out. Hey, John, can you read what river it was? Uh, I already tried. The Verbus. The Verbos? The Verbras. Verbras. Yeah, what republic is it in? Yeah, it's near the city of what? Bosnia. No, that's the place. It's not a city. It's the city of what? The Museum of the yeah. Republika Spurska. Spurska. Who anyway. discovered it? Ivana... Panzik. Panzik. That's Ivana Tinkle. <laughs> Republika Spurska. Ivana Panzik. No, it's cool that they found this uh, sword. Remember, you can uh, check out our show notes and pull up all these articles yeah. so you can see what we're looking at. Right. And look at this shitty sword. Right near the city of Banjo Lucas. I'm saying for 700 years old, that thing is pretty much intact. Uh, also yeah. considering Yeah, it I'll was... agree with that. Considering it was under a moving river the entire time, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm saying they could buff it out. The hilt's kind of bent. Yeah, they could fix that. It's really long, too. It's a hammer. Well, well a, I mean, it is a sword. It's a sword. Long sword. No, 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 the hilt is It's long. a long knifey. Well, it's a, it's a bastard sword. It's, it's a, a hand, hand and a half. half. Uh, oh, look at you. Jesus Christ, like you never <laughs> played D&D. Wow. Yeah, Lauren never played 3.5. I... No, I did. I just don't play characters that have to use real weapons. Yeah, you only play characters that are sex addicts for ghosts. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, moving on to some paranormal stuff. Should we dim the lights? Sure. I don't have have a dimmer. The lights are dim. (laughs) You want to get up and go over to the lamp halfway across the room? For the the listeners at home, the lights are dim. The lights have gotten dim. Dim Dim your lights along, too. Yeah. Everyone dim the lights. The ghosts of New York's past. Ooh, you guys see it over there? Yes. Uh, let's start with Gertrude Treadwell. This is from the New York Times. Gertrude uh, Treadwell. For nearly recluse. a century, members of the Treadwell family occupied the house at 29 East 4th Street near Washington Square Park. If you believe the reports, at least one of them still does. 
The ghost of Gertrude Treadwell is said to have roamed the house since she died there in 1933 in the same bed in which she was born. That's sad. Yeah, it's kind of gross. <laughs> they should have cleaned it. What about the one she was conceived in? Not there? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the same house, yeah. They, yeah these same. people didn't seem to get out much. <laughs> the ghost of Gertrude Treadwell, uh, uh, one, one of the first sightings came just weeks after her death, according to Anthony Belov, a board member of the Merchant's House Museum, which occupies the house and preserves it as a testament to the Treadwells and the era in which they lived. It was hot. People were on stoops. People were on the fire escapes, Mr. Belov said. Suddenly, the front door of the house flew open, and an elderly woman in a long brown dress rushed out onto the stoop to chase the children away. Scores of people saw this, and immediately everyone recognized her as Gertrude. So this oh, so, was after her death. Wow. So she was a bitch in oh, death. Yeah, we remember this bitch. She's kind of an asshole. Yeah. Yeah, it's like we were only sitting on the stoop because we thought this old bitch died. <laughs> If we knew she was still around, we wouldn't have done it. <laughs> the museum opened to the public only three years after Gertrude died. Uh, one of its early caretakers, a woman named Florence Helm, later described having several mysterious experiences there. Once, she told the New York Times in 1953, she watched a silk tassel twist and turn as though someone were playfully twirling it. Other times, she heard a consistent tapping on the wall. It was not unlike telegraphic code. Which I cannot read, she said. <laughs> well, that was important. Good to know. It's important. Yeah, so, uh, that's maybe, maybe it wasn't like telegraphing. She might have been trying to telegraph something. I don't fucking know what she well, was saying. Well, I mean, if you don't know what telegraphic code is, then it just, it's just tapping. That's just tapping. <laughs> yeah. That, that. Yeah, but without the electrics. I mean, it doesn't need the electric noise. <laughs> Wow, our listeners are loving this. Uh, right no, now. that was actually Mike actually knows Morse code. Yeah, that was fuck you, Jared, to Morse code. <laughs> wow, rude. It takes twenty minutes just to tell Jared to fuck off. <laughs> Jokes on them. I also cannot read. Uh, the couple that took over her duties reported hearing the knocking too. Visitors have reported seeing Gertrude as she appeared at various stages of her life from her late teens on. Most say she was wearing a long brown tafta gown, though that description matches none of the 40 gowns in the museum's collection. Because it's the one she was buried in. Yeah, there you go, Mike. Put that yeah. twist on it. There you go. But Gertrude isn't alone. Guests and museum workers have reported seeing the spirits of servants and members of her family, too. One museum docent, is that how you say that? Yes, docent? that is yeah. correct. Was no, leading it. a tour when a door to the servants' chambers opened and she found herself face-to-face -face with a woman clearly not of this time and place, Mr. Belov said. Their eyes made contact and they both jumped. It was a boomer. It was... No, so you know sometimes it's like like it might be like that uh, that that phenomenon where it's like you're not really seeing a ghost, you're just seeing like something from the past, and they're yeah, seeing something from the slip. future. Yeah, it's like a time slip, and then you both see each other, and you're like fuck. And then what movie was that? Was like the hours or something? Oh, uh, Back to the Future. Back to the Future Part Three. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, because there was ghosts in that. Lots of ghosts. Um. The Treadwell family moved into the house in 1835 when Gertrude's father, Seabury, retired from a su I successful like that career. Name. That is a good name. Uh, he retired from a successful career in the hardware business. You think a Seabury would do something more exciting than the hardware yeah, business? Yeah, he sounds like a sh like he should be an old fisherman I mean, or something. You don't know an what adventurer. he's doing in the hardware business. Uh, it sounds like he wasted his fucking life. He could be testing hammers. He discovered a new type of wrench. 
Yeah, he invented the Seabury wrench. <laughs> Five years later, he and his wife, uh, Eliza, had Gertrude, their eighth child. So people Ugh. had a lot of kids Oh, yeah, then. they had lots of kids back then. No wonder she's a ghost. Like, she's craving attention. My grandmother had 12 brothers and sisters, all of whom are dead now. Well, um, That yeah. would make sense. How many of them are ghosts now? Two. At least two. At no, least just two. two. Uh, legend has it that Seabury prevented Gertrude from marrying her true love, which yeah. may explain why she remained in the house over the years. Take that, Gertrude. Even as her family members slowly streamed out. By 1909, she was the last Treadwell still in the house, which she made few changes to over time. Aging and weak, she rarely left the residence except for to chase yeah, kids chase off the porch. Ch- but, I mean, that makes sense now that we know the <laughs> full history. Like, maybe she wasn't such a bitch. Uh, no, in her final years, she died poor and alone. Ha-ha. <laughs> Despite wow. that sad ending, the Treadwell ghosts have shown no signs of malev- m- malevolence. Well, except for those kids. <laughs> yeah, except for all the kids that they chased away. It's really up to you how you're going to react to them, because they're nothing menacing, Mr. Belov said, adding that he addresses the ghost whenever he enters and leaves the house. That's so polite. come on by. Come on by to his museum. That's very polite. Well, I guess, like, nobody lives there, so yeah. the ghost might as well haunt it, you know? Yeah. Uh, you guys, who wants to take this one? Lauren. I'll take it. The Haunting of 136 Clinton Avenue. A few weeks before Christmas in 1878, Edward F. Smith, I wonder what the F stood for, Fuck. was at his home at 136 Clinton Avenue in Brooklyn when the doorbell rang. According to a con- con- fuck me, contemporaneous report in the New York Times, Smith opened the door but found no one inside. The outside. ringing Outside. No one outside. The ringing continued throughout the night and was eventually joined by a violent banging at the back door. But still, Smith could not identify a source. The commotion became a nightly occurrence. At first, Smith enlisted the help of his family. But even with people stationed throughout the house and in the yard, they couldn't pinpoint the cause. He sprinkled ash and flour along the path to the door, expecting to find footprints left behind. But the substances were undisturbed, and the noises continued. Eventually, Smith persuaded the authorities to look into the matter. A police captain and detective visited the house one night, but they were utterly unable to fathom what was going on, according to the Times. So they returned the next night with reinforcements. That second night... A brick threw, flew through the dining room window. It could only have been thrown from a path near the house, but officers stationed outside swore they had seen no one near it. It's probably because one of them threw it. The house was thoroughly searched for hidden wires or anything else that might solve the mystery, but the police found nothing. The Times reporter wrote that he himself ventured out to the house, whistling to keep his courage up but found only a small, curious crowd gathered outside. (coughs) Smith himself was skeptical at first that supernatural activity was taking place, but after weeks of torment, he could think of no other explanation. He was now convinced that the invisible cause of all of the phenomena is no less a personage than his satanic majesty himself. Wow. When you refer to the devil like that, it sounds like you brought this on yourself. Yeah, it sounds like you asked him in. Yeah, you invited him. Yeah, fuck this guy. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Wait, is that the house? house? Yeah, the... scroll back up a little bit. Oh, no, this that, is the next that's story. That's the next one. All right, I'll do this one. The Headless Ghost of Old Fort Niagara. As is often true of restless spirits, 
Love is central to the story of the headless soldier said to haunt Old Fort Niagara, north of Buffalo. The legend, as described years ago by the folklore expert Louis C.K., uh, Louis C. Jones, <laughs> dates to before the nation's founding. It was 1759, in the middle of the French and Indian War, and the British had isolated Fort Niagara, which sits on a piece of land that juts out at the point where Lake Ontario and the Niagara River converge. Life at the fort has been stressful enough, but then for two weeks the British bombarded the French soldiers and their Native American allies stationed there. Petty jealousies, long controlled irritations, a thousand annoyances united with the normal fears of battle to make life close to unbearable, Mr. Jones wrote in a 1944 speech before a joint session of the New York State Historical Association, which he led for a quarter century. And the New York Folklore Society, he later included the We don't need to know about the Folklore Society. Okay, well, I'm... Mr. He's very accomplished. Yeah. Mr. Jones is prolific. Uh, two French officers stationed at the fort had fallen for a Native American woman, according to Mr. Jones, and it was during the siege that they decided to settle the matter once and for all. That's why you never consort with Indians. You yeah. always get cursed. It's the middle of a war, but we got to decide who owns okay. this woman. Mr. Jones said that the two fighting soldiers, whom he did not name, caught the attention of those around them, their swords making bright arcs of light as they fought in a central courtyard. So they were really fighting. Uh, other accounts of the fight differ reporting... She must have, you know, she must have had, like, all of her teeth. Yeah. A good you know? pussy. Very little plague. Very little plague. You know, like, back then, if you found a girl that, you know, she didn't have a big scar on her face and she had all her teeth, it was, like, fucking dime piece. There she yeah. is. There was only marry blood that. in every other cough. You marry that girl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, reporting that the... Battle unfolded in private between Jean-Claude de Rochefort and Henry Leclerc. In the end, de Rochefort won and Leclerc lost his head. Oh, he cut his fucking head off? Yeah. Damn. That's pretty good. He really wanted that girl. Guy's a real swordsman. Uh, As the story goes, his body fell into a nearby well. You know, as as all stories go. Or was hidden there intentionally. By de Rochefort. Uh, Leclerc's ghost, it is said can be seen from time to time emerging from the well in search of his head. Hey, y'all see my head? <laughs> well, you can't hey, hear Hey, where'd my head go? He's, he's signing at you. Ooh, I want to read the next one. This looks awesome. <laughs> is this just about you? Yes. Yeah, this was Mike. This is the 27th Street Goblin. Even the most sensational ghost stories can be lost to time, sometimes for good reason. In the early 1860s, New York City went wild with interest in what had become known as the 27th Street Goblin, according to a New York Times report. The ghost had long been the subject of vague rumors, but two women appeared to confirm its existence after moving into a home on the street and awakening the next morning to find their furniture rearranged, even though the windows and doors were locked from the inside. Thousands of people thronged the area. Is that what started that whole uh, spoopy thing? Probably. Like the, and the doors and windows were locked from the inside. Thousands of people thronged the area and fueled the hysteria with entirely new and strictly original stories of what they claimed to have seen. But, as the Times would later uncover, there never was a ghost. The whole cause w- craze was caused by a lazy police officer. Isn't that how it goes? Womp, womp, womp. I like how this guy... 
he 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 this is the New York Times. He made like a New York Times article about ghosts, and he's like, the last one I'm going to show show on there is going to show what good reporting does for a community. <laughs> yep. It all subscribe be- now. It all began when a few disreputable people moved onto a block on 27th Street, prompting concern among the neighbors. To flush out the unwanted newcomers and the presumed illicit activity in which they had engaged. Wonder what the newcomers were. They're Irish. We don't want the Irish. No Irish. The existing residents of the block reached out to a police official who agreed to station officers outside their homes at night. The officers dutifully stood guard, but eventually grew wary, whistling at each other and doing jumping jacks to pass the time and stay warm. But one night, they discovered an unlocked sidewalk hatch that led to an empty house. I'm sorry, I just can't. I'm just picturing two cops doing jumping jacks and then wolf whistling at each other. Yeah, that's exactly what <laughs> I Ladies! Uh, where was I? Oh, okay. Before long, they began using it as an escape from the cold. Because the officers worked nights, they didn't hear that the house had been rented or see that a furniture delivery had arrived. After moving some of the furniture in, two members of the family decided to spend the night. Later that evening, as usual, one of the officers sneaked through the hatch and into the house only to discover the furniture. Without stopping to wonder why it was there, he decided to move several pieces near the fireplace and use them as couches to sleep on. But just as he finished, the officer heard a noise and realized that the house had new occupants. Fearful of being caught sleeping on the job, he quickly crept out and kept his mouth shut, leaving the two women there to discover the furniture the following morning. That's hilarious. It was just cops that were cold. Yeah. yeah. But I, I love how they jumped to the conclusion, it's goblins! <laughs> I'm going to rearrange your stuff, lady. Give me your shit. Well, I mean, I would think goblins before I thought a police officer was breaking into my house to take naps. Ah, uh, your feng shui is bullshit, lady. I'm switching the shit around. I'm the 27th Street like it, goblin. It, it seems way more far-fetched that a police officer is breaking into someone's home and taking a nap. Don't even think about calling the cops, lady. What are they going to do? Sneak in? <laughs> Jared's got a million of these. <laughs> yep. Just let him keep going. No, I'm done. All right. Now I got a story about a suicide, a dog suicide bridge. All right. Just, uh, is that in just, the Halloween spirit? Just don't take Mouse there because he's looking pretty depressed. Yeah, my dog Mouse is upset because we got a new puppy. He's always upset about something. That's true. He's very sensitive. No, I think this is more of a paranormal type of dog suicide bridge. Dog suicide bridge. Why do so many pets keep leaping into a Scottish gorge? Because they live in Scotland? It could be it, but dogs don't care where they live, right? As long as it's not in Scotland. I was sure she was dead, Lottie McMinnon says quietly. McMinnon is uh, sitting huddled in the corner of a cafe with her two children, sipping hot chocolate as she describes the day three years ago when she was walking with her border collie Bonnie on Overtown Bridge in Dubberton, Scotland. Wow, that's the most Scottish thing I've ever heard. A border collie... I was walking with me border collie in Overton Bridge in Dumbarton, Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) Something overcame Bonnie as soon as we approached the bridge, McKinnon says. At first she froze, but then she became possessed by a strange energy and ran and jumped right off the parapet. A a bewitched dog lured to leap off a bridge by a malevolent force? It sounds like a preposterous scene straight from an old Twilight Zone episode. But McKinnon's dog is one of hundreds that Scots insist have suddenly become compelled to throw themselves off the Gothic stone structure since the 1950s. 
Many have ended up dead on the jagged rocks in the deep valley below. And nobody bothers to clean it up. Yeah. I'm, I don't, I, am I bringing the show down with the dead dog I story? Mean, dead dog story this early in the show, huh? I mean, we're, we're in it a little bit, and it is Halloween, and this is very scary. What's the scariest thing than losing your pet to a fucking a, suicide a bridge? bridge ghost? A it's, bridge it's, ghost. It is weird that it's been happening since the 1950s. That is, that's crazy. Like, do you think just maybe that just there's some old asshole at the bottom of the gorge with, like, a blinky light? Come here, light? boy! Come yeah. here, dog whistle? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God. Someone just threw a pack of bacon bits down there. They've been trying to get it ever since. <laughs> yeah. They never they never degrade. It's just begging strips. Dogs don't know it's not bacon. <laughs> Those poor dogs don't know it's not bacon. It's way more evil They're when you dying say it like for that. Nothing. It's way more evil in that context. See it's like dogs don't know it's not bacon. Those dogs didn't know it wasn't bacon. <laughs> they did know. Uh, so they, the residents of uh, Dumberton started calling it the Dog Suicide Bridge. I mean, I think they could have come up with a better name. I mean, than it's that. accurate. Could've McKinnon, who grew up in bridge. the neighboring village of Milton, winced at the memory of scurrying down the gorge through the trees and the bushes in a desperate hunt for Bonnie. When she approached the dog, Bonnie started to whimper and eventually tried to stand up. It was a miracle that she survived, she says. Yeah, too bad she executed her on the spot. <laughs> this dog is possessed. Yeah, that's not Bonnie. That's like some weird doppelganger dog now. In a land rife with superstitions, myths, and monsters, uh, Scotland is the land of Loch Ness, after all, of course. Uh, Why do so many dogs jump? Local researchers estimate more than 300 have sailed off the bridge. Jesus. Tabloid reports say it's 600. At least 50 dogs are said to have died. That's a lot of injured dogs, actually. I'm glad some of them are surviving. I'm glad it's not like an instant. Death. Yeah, like um, most of them survived. Some say there are rational explanations involving the terrain and the sense of mammals in the gorge that may drive the dogs into a frenzy. I don't know if I'm buying that. Other explanations take on a more paranormal tone. There yeah, you go. know dogs still have a sense of self-preservation even when they find something they want. Yeah, they don't... I mean, the dumb ones will leap off of it, but I don't know. How many like dumb dogs are there? Three to six hundred? That's a lot. That'd be a lot of dumb dogs. People in Dumberton are very superstitious, says Alistair Dutton. Well, your name is Alistair. Uh, a local taxi driver. We grew up playing in the Overton grounds, and we believe in ghosts here because we've all seen or felt spirits up here. Uh, the Leaps inspired an episode of the American TV series The Unexplained Files. An entire book is dedicated to exploring the phenomenon. Terrible name. But despite all this attention, the mystery lives on. From a distance, it seems as if the ornate Victorian bridge built in 1895 is a mere extension of the driveway of an adjoining 19th century manor built by built in Dumberton by a wealthy industrial industrialist James White. Closer still, one can make out the bridge's three archways spanning a small river, the Overton Burn. Uh, standing in the middle on the bridge's blackened granite parpets, is it, it is easy to forget the space beneath falls away into a deep gorge. Always got, if you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a manor, you should have a deep gorge. Oh, for sure. I feel like gorge implies deep. Yeah, a gorge is by its. Is there a, there, is there a shallow? Redundant? There's not a sh- There's no such thing as a shallow gorge. I think no, it's not yeah. a ravine. Yeah, it's just like a pit or a ravine. Yeah. Yeah, a ditch. Yeah, that's yeah. a ditch. A shallow gorge is a ditch. Indentation. 
There really is no middle ground, though. Like, a ditch is like... Maybe a gorge like, is a gorge. Yeah. yeah. But this is a deep gorge. In the manor nearby, the current tenant, Bob Hill, says he and his wife have seen several dogs suddenly dive off the bridge since they moved into the property. Now called Overturn House more than 17 years That's ago. That's what sold them on the property. <laughs> it's just all the dog deaths. Don't have to worry about these dogs. But Hill, a pastor from Texas who runs a local center for women in crisis, has an earthbound explanation. The smell of small animals scurrying around the gorge below. Uh, the bridge drives the dogs into a frenzy. Then they break free of the leashes, if they're on any, and jump. How many fucking rats would have to be down there? That he they says smell? the dogs catch the scent of mink. Pine oh. martens or some other mammal. I don't know if I'm buying this. There's these creatures exist not Everywhere. just in this gorge. Yeah. yeah. Also, they dogs don't just commit suicide for the chance at a meal. That's true. Yeah, I've seen dogs like you whip them up into a frenzy with like a tennis ball, then throw it into a lake, and they'll stop right at the edge of the dog. Yeah, they're like, nah. They're like, mm. I'm not getting wet today. Yeah. Uh, so, Paul Owens, a teacher of religion and philosophy, philosophy from Glasgow, uh, grew up in a town close to the bridge and recently published a book about the mystery. When it comes to an explanation for the leaping dogs, he is firmly in the supernatural camp. Firmly. After 11 years of research, I'm convinced it's a ghost that's behind all of this, he declares, while sitting outside of a pub on a drizzly day in Glasgow. Ghosts. Owens' theory is popular among some local residents who grew up hearing stories about the White Lady of Overton also known as the grieving widow of John White, James's son. That was confusing. The lady lived alone in grief for more than 30 years after her husband died in 1908, says Marion Murray, a Dumberton resident. Her ghost has been lurking around here ever since. She's been sighted in windows and walking around the grounds. Let's see. In 2010, animal behaviorist David Sands investigated the phenomenon and ruled out the possibility that animals were deliberately killing themselves. His experiments at the bridge found that dogs, especially long-nosed breeds, were drawn to the scent of mammals below. They're back on this mammals theory. He's theorized that from the dog's limited perspective, their ignorance that the path changes from level ground to a bridge spanning a deep gorge and the smells wafting through the air probably entice the dogs to jump. But he even acknowledged that the bridge has a strange feeling. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, so it's like probably just the varmints. But it does feel weird. It's the banshee. Or is that Irish? doesn't matter. The same thing. So, so basically, people are saying that like there's tons of bridges like this that dogs don't jump off of. This isn't like a special bridge. <laughs> yeah, they don't have to put up signs near bridges like, hey, hold on to your dog. Dogs jump off of these. It's this particular fucking bridge. It was specifically designed by Aleister Crowley to entice dogs into committing suicide. Yeah. I, you know, I wouldn't put that past him. <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone knows that uh, the way that he built the Loch Ness Monster was just sewing a bunch of dead dogs together. Is that what he did? Throwing it in the lake. Yeah, that's how that happened. Uh, I did hear that he created the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, that's that story I've heard before. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to 10 terrifying murders committed on Halloween night. Yours. Ooh. Yes, number one, you. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mike, go ahead and take this one. Oh, yeah, this is the one that's the basis for the urban legend about uh, razor blades and candy and shit. Uh, Ronald O'Brien has been called the man who killed Halloween and the Candyman. On 
He did. He fucked over Halloween for he did, our be, entire generation. Like, he one. He you'll find out in the story. He only did it to his like stepson, and it's the only time it's ever happened. Anyway, on Halloween in 1974, eight-year-old Timothy O'Brien returned to his Houston home from a long night of trick or treating. His father, Ronald, gave him one last piece of candy, a pixie sticks, which Timothy ate instantly. Within moments, the boy was vomiting, and he died on the way to the hospital. After changing his story multiple times, police learned that Ronald was responsible for his son's death as he had poisoned the candy with cyanide. Turns out, Ronald was... That is fucking hardcore. That's, That's pretty fucked brutal. Up shit. Turns out, Ronald was in debt and had taken out a life insurance policy on his children. Whoa. How do you how do you think you're not gonna get caught for that? Yeah, it's like oh, we just took a life insurance. Oh, look, he suddenly died. Oh. Suddenly died of cyanide poisoning. A year later, he was found guilty. And he was guilty and was given the death penalty by lethal injection. The murder left its mark, though. Parents today still check their kids' candy to see if it's been tampered with. They should have given him cyanide so he could have felt it, you know. Oh yeah, in his peepee, peepee. <laughs> All right. Wow. Yeah, so this is the guy who ruined Halloween for an entire generation. We couldn't eat our candy until yep. we got home and our parents inspected it, and which my parents were like half drunk half the time. Like, what <laughs> are like, they even looking? What are you even yeah. looking for? Yeah, by inspecting it, they mean they ate the best parts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my favorite thing right now is like I keep seeing these memes that like they're, older they're people are putting weed in your candy. Yeah, they're putting edibles. Like, motherfucker, no. that shit is expensive. No one's throwing out a thirty dollar fucking thing of edibles. Yeah. To go kids, fuck, yeah, I'm go not fuck giving yourself. My CBD away. <laughs> yeah, nobody yeah. is doing that. Not even, not especially by mistake. Yeah. As soon as you buy those type of candies, as an adult, you're like, oh, I'm a fucking moron. So I'm gonna put these in a different spot. Those yeah. go in the yeah. special drawer. Yeah, there's a special jar for these candies. Yeah, you don't you, you don't no fuck around mixes, with those. Mixes yeah. that shit up because I, you know a kid or your mother-in-law is going to come over and take one, and then it's going to be a big fucking deal, and you're not invited to Thanksgiving anymore. Yeah. But I will be giving out Twix uh, injected with DMT this year. Ooh yeah, <laughs> yeah. spirit I'm, Twix. I'm coming to your house, buddy. <laughs> Woo! I'll take a DMT Twix. Party at yeah. Jared's. Let's see the cosmic snakes. Existential Halloween. William Lisk also killed his family members on Halloween. This is a Halloween. newer one. Yeah. In 2010, 16-year-old Devin Griffin came home on Halloween to play video games after attending church and spending the previous night sleeping out. He noticed uh, the Michigan home was too quiet, so he went to check his family members, according to the Sandusky Register. Mm, poor name. Poor name, yeah. Griffin proceeded to find his stepfather in bed, covered in blood. When police arrived, they found two more bodies, Griffin's mother and brother. Police eventually learned the murderer was Griffin's stepbrother, William B.J. Lisk. Mm. It's because that awful fucking name. Yeah, poor name. Poor B. name choice. Name a kid fucking B.J., you're going to get killed. Lisk bludgeoned his older stepbrother, Derek Griffin, with a hammer, shot his father, William Lisk, five times, and then raped and shot his stepmother, Susan Lisk. Oh, my God. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Lisk uh, pleaded guilty to three counts of aggravated murder to avoid the death penalty, but was found dead in his jail cell in 2015 from a self-inflicted wound. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jerry Epstein himself. Yep. <laughs> Jerry Epstein. This is a conspiracy show. You can bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. Now that motherfucker Epstein did not kill himself. Sure he did. They found him with a noose around his yeah, neck. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The government told me so, Lauren. That's such bullshit. That's like robo bullshit. I mean, who else would have done it? The only other person there was Hillary Clinton. I mean, he, <laughs> he killed himself the moment he knew too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, like 
I mean, no. He's, he's no. <laughs> I can't. I just can't. Whatever happened to innocent until proven guilty, Lauren? Well, I mean, there's killed yourself until you just not killed yourself until you didn't kill yourself. Nope. Like that dude was like Let's well protected. More. All right. No, he choke jerked himself. Uh, okay, the toolbox killers murdered for the last time on Halloween night, Ooh. 1979. Dibs on that band that name. That guy is ugly. I think that is that he looks kind of like Brad Pitt, actually. No. A little bit. Not at he all. Looks like, nope. In 1979. He looks like the Winter Soldier. Shirley Ledford was hitchhiking home from a Halloween party when two men picked her up in a dingy van. Little did she know that the two men were known as the Toolbox Killers amongst never, themselves. I've never heard of these guys before, have you? No. 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 Also, I don't like the victim blame, but Shirley, come on. Shirley! Shirley, she... what are you doing? Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Nor- Norris were famous for picking up female hitchhikers and then torturing with them with tools typically found in a toolbox. They often took pictures of their victims during the slayings. After torturing Ledford, they dropped the body on a stranger's lawn. Ledford became the pair's fifth and final victim after a friend turned them in. Bittaker was sentenced to death and is still on death row. Norris, who cooperated in the investigation, was given 45 years to life. So weird that they had a third friend. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Guys, I'm not cool with this. Do you think the third friend was totally in the dark and then found out about the one? It was like, whoa, guys. Yeah, he found out by confronting them. Like, guys, I feel like... I'm, you're just not as good of friends with me as you are with each other. And, like, I feel like, like you're, you, like, keeping something from me. What are you guys always doing together? Like, why am I excluded Guys, I signed up for the murder, not the rapes. Like, why yeah. am I uh, not in the group chat? Why do you keep borrowing my toolbox? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to some UFO news. UFO. UFO. Strange lights off the Outer Banks spark UFO debate. Was it aliens or the military? Maybe it was military aliens. I don't know. Probably aliens. Have you seen this video? Nope. Nope. A fleet of lights recorded off North Carolina's Outer Banks has ignited a debate whether they are honest-to-goodness UFOs or just part of a mysterious military exercise. William Guy posted a 31-second video September 28th on YouTube showing what appears to be 14 glowing orbs over the water. He refers to it as a real UFO sighting. Anybody tell me what that is? Guy says in the video, we're in the middle of the ocean on a ferry. Nothing around. Look, nothing around. No land, no nothing. Guy told uh, the McClatchy News that he's from Indiana and he's among the workers sent to repair damage on the... Oracoke. Ocracoke? Ocracoke Island caused by intense flooding during Hurricane Dorian. The video was filmed aboard a ferry crossing the Pimlico Sound from Oracoke Island to Swan Quarter on the mainland, he said. The lights appeared to for at least a minute and a half, he posted on YouTube. Pimlico Sound, uh, Pimlico Sound is uh, not part of the Atlantic Ocean, but a large body of water that separates the Outer Banks from the mainland of North Carolina. All these nautical terms are so confusing. The incident happened September 18th. Reports UFO sighting uh, LPKZ 2019, one of many UFO sites and tabloids covering Guy's story. So this is like, is this the? That looks like the video. This no, is, this is a different video. This is different, yeah. I have to go up to this video. It's gonna finish this advertisement. I don't know why they put other UFO videos in this fucking thing. Yeah, like so, they, oh, 
it they is. put the one from the Air Force on there, and here we go. Oh, what okay. What the fuck? Yeah, this is just oh, wow. this is just out over the water. Who knows what this is? That is a large cluster of lights. Yeah, that's that's creepy as fuck. Definitely, uh, definitely not just holes in the cloud because there's too many of them. Yeah. And it's not the sun because there's the sun right there. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. They like it's just like these orbs. It's very similar to what uh, we the thing that we saw that one night, Mike, when I was coming back from the road. Yeah. And like I just called Mike immediately. And told him which direction to look at, and he was like, "Yep, there's glowing orbs there." Yeah, yeah, no, I remember that. <laughs> it's like I can see them too. That's what it looks like to me, except way more, and it's less dark. Yeah, there's out. like ten or fifteen of them there. They're also br- brighter, probably maybe closer. Yeah, they're really bright because yeah, because you can That's see them. It's like still daylight. That's a lot. I think it's fourteen, is what the article said. Bam. Well, shit, looks like a fuck ton. I don't know. Yeah, this this. I, I mean, it could be some kind of military exercise of some sort, but who the fuck knows what that could be? I mean, even if it is, like, of what? They're not. But there's there's no like understandable formation there either. It's like this weird ass cluster. Yeah, they're not in any kind of like order. Uh, speaking of which, the um, remember we watched that video of the uh, the Navy pilot and that what was he in like an F sixteen or something, and he mm-hmm. was uh, he spotted UFOs. And they have the whole video of it, and the, it just recently the U.S. Navy uh, confirmed that the video is real. And yeah, they don't know what that was. I thought we knew that already. We we did, but we haven't talked. We haven't mentioned it because I just no. Happened. But I mean, I thought when that video came out, it was like it's obviously footage from a a pilot. Yeah, but they're like the the Navy just recently. So the news is that they acknowledged it. Yeah, they yes. acknowledged that it's the video okay. is real. Yeah, because we knew the video was real already. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Navy just like, it. confirmed it. Yeah. Well, that's good that they're like, hey, we don't know what's going on either. I mean, it's not that good. New 1960s report describes UFO and humanoid sighting. A report which consists just short of a paragra- paragraph claims the two brothers were exploring an empty house in Edgewater, Florida during the 1960s when they noticed a large saucer about 150 feet away from them. Edgewater? Isn't that by Dunedin? No, no, that's just a road. The sighting reportedly took place in the afternoon. It was huge, about 400 feet across, the man wrote on a MUFON report. It was silver gray and silent. It had no markings. Uh, The report adds that they were able to see two humanoids through some windows on the craft. There wasn't any further detail on the description of these alleged beings. So that's in Volusia County. It was really, sh- I don't know, the less... No, this reminds me of uh, the UFO I saw when I was a kid, where it was just, like, hovering there. Just, like, huge. You know? That's a similar description. That's why it stood out to me. Oh. Uh, I don't know. It, if, it's, it's, if it's so short, like, that's kind of kind of a red flag. Also, too long could be a red flag, too, but... What do you mean? Just like the article link. Just the article link uh, itself. Well, I mean, I guess... Like, yeah, we saw an aliens. Oh, shit, better report that. It's just the time where it's like, there's not, a, there's not a lot of detail about it, and like it's from like the 60s, so who the fuck knows. It's still cool, though. Bigfoot's watching me, North Carolina man, shares footage of something in the woods. Ooh. For a lot of oh, people... The this fir- is not Chromecasted. I apologize. 
A North Carolina man claims he's captured footage of three Bigfoot creatures watching him in the woods. Bigfoot enthusiast Doug Teague of Hickory explained in a video on the Catawa, Cat, Catawba? Catawba Valley Bigfoot Research Catawba Valley Bigfoot Research Center. Facebook page <laughs> that he was out in the <laughs> woods last month trying to retrieve some game cameras when he heard a knocking sound. Uh. A rock was thrown, he told WCNC. Uh, Teague said his dog, Crazy Daisy, chased the rock. When he looked to see who had thrown it, he spotted three ape-like cryptids. I mean, it's important to name that to put that dog's name in there. It was Crazy Daisy. Yeah, you don't want to fuck mean, with Crazy you Daisy. Wanna, yeah. You can't not tell people that a guy has a dog named Crazy Daisy. <laughs> I was giddy like a school kid, said Teague. Just nervous, heart beating. It was crazy. Crazy Daisy. The footage wasn't clear, but it showed something moving on the other side of a set of trees. Teague said he has about 10 minutes of footage of the creatures in the forest. He told the Hickory Record that he regularly goes out in search of Bigfoot, often bringing snacks into the forest in an attempt to lure them. They like uh, snowballs, just so you know. It looks like, like a panda to me. They, they no. like granola bars, apples, mushrooms, turnips, moon pies. Of course they fucking like moon pies. Everyone <laughs> likes moon pies. It's, it doesn't, the, it's not as good as a goo-goo cluster, though. I don't know what that is. The banana ones are the best. Uh, banana goo-goo cluster is better than a banana moon pie. Uh, you're just making words up. Yep. No, it's a goo-goo cluster. Okay, Jared, look it up. It's a delicious piece of candy. Right, Sounds looking, awful. I am looking it up. Uh, they like sweets, he said. Teague said he's spotted Bigfoot four times and has also made casts of footprints. They're, they're there, people, Teague said in his Facebook video. They're there and we need to respect them. <coughs> I mean, that's pretty good footage. It's just like something on the other side of the trees. I don't you know. can see its hand come into view, which is real creepy. Yeah. Here's the actual video. Yeah, it's, there's definitely something there. Yeah. Could be a dude in a suit. All right, I'm yeah. back. I did look it up. It is a real thing. I know Goo Goo Clusters but, is a real thing. Yeah, it is. Uh, Jesus, Goo Goo Cluster is it's a disc-shaped candy bar that contains marshmallow, You don't nougat, have to tell me. Caramel, Most pe- do people know about these, and Jared. And roasted peanuts covered in milk chocolate. Jared, people know about Goo Goo Clusters. That You're sounds, behind the times. The Goo Goo Clusters does sound pretty wow, good. Wow, Jared is a <laughs> serious journalist. <laughs> I'm verifying the facts yeah, here, Yeah, where baby. is your source? Jared's on the beat. Uh, Wikipedia. Yeah, you can't quote Wikipedia. I mean, it does say edited by John J. Murray, but <laughs> I believe it. All right, let's go ahead and do a spoopy. Oh, I like Woo! this. And then we'll come back with our feature segment, which is Huska Castle. Yeah. Huska. You're alone, in the middle of the night, and the phone rings. It's someone you don't know, or worse yet, it is someone you know, and they're dead. Things have just gotten spoopy. 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 Too spoopy. Her name was Emily, written by Raman Napalm. I used to work in an environmental testing firm doing emissions testing. In short, 
We drive to the client with our sampling equipment, stick a probe in their chimney, and make sure they don't release too much junk. Toxic gas, sawdust, soot, you name it. We have many different clients. Paper mills, refineries, incinerators. If an industry burns something, chances are they'll have to hire a team like us at some point. That's how I ended up working at a crematorium on my first month on the job. We rolled up to the client, a classic funeral home complete with graveyards sitting at the border of a commercial road in a sleepy residential neighborhood. We began unpacking, get the sampling kit up to the scaffolding, set up the rails and probe. Then came the part where we await the client's okay to begin testing. See, to be able to properly test a mission, the process must be running and we need to know what was burning. In this case, it meant we needed to wait until a deceased was being cremated and we needed to know his or her weight. We climbed down and walked to the reception of the funeral home. We identified ourselves and we were told to walk down the hall to the office of a man I will not name. Midway down the hall, one of my colleagues muttered, Oh great, it's the creepy one. Greeting us into his office was our client, and let me tell you, he earned his moniker the creepy one well. Thin middle-aged man with a lump of oddly unmoving gray hair on his head. But what stuck to me was the wide grin he always wore. We explained to him that everything was ready to begin testing. We only needed for the cremation to begin. Yes, of course, he said, as he consulted a document on a clipboard. The next cremation is set to begin in 15 minutes. She weighs 87 pounds. As part of my mind noticed how light this was for a person, but before that thought finished running through my mind, Mr. Creepy carried on, never losing the grin. She was barely 12 years old. Her name was Emily. So with that superfluous information, we headed back outside and up the scaffolding. A half hour or so later, we had fired the pump and began testing. Another 30 minutes later, and we noticed that the pressure gauge was jumping around. It's a fairly common problem. Usually this means a clog in the probe or a faulty function somewhere. One of the team, we'll call him Jake, went back up the sampling equipment to find the problem. Five minutes later, Jake was swearing loudly over the radio. A function had failed and the sudden variation of pressure had caused a cloud of ash to burst out as Jake was checking the equipment. In short, Jake was covered with the dead girl's ashes. In our line of work, getting dirty is not uncommon. We tease Jake. He dusted himself off, got a break in order to go change, and the rest of the contract went off without a hitch. It was only when we were back at HQ that Jake commented on how his bag, which contained the safety equipment he wore that day, seemed abnormally heavy. One of the boys joked, it's heavy because you're bringing Emily back in it. You know that moment in slasher movies where there's always that dude joking about the killer that roams these parts, only to get stabbed second later? That was that moment. Bad luck seemed to plague Jake from now on. Every contract he was on seemed to be plagued with equipment failures and close calls. After a particularly harrowing day where a lift failed and nearly dropped us from two stories, Jake told me he had enough and he'd be dealing with this bullshit that very night. Officially, Jake forgot his bag of safety equipment at the hotel after he went. Never mind that the staff never found it, never mind that bottle of highly flammable solvent was missing from our mobile lab also. Things seemed to return to normal after that. As for Mr. Creepy's crematorium, it's now closed. Our last test confirmed that it was releasing way too much ash and soot into the outside air and they lost their license. Kinda disturbing when you think about it that this place had been burning bodies daily and letting the ashes out at chimney to rain down on the town. 
As I'm typing this, I can only hope, for the sake of those living down wood from that crematorium, that not all the dead are as restless as Emily. All right, we're back. That was very spoopy. Thank Almost you, Mike. Spoopy. I like the I like the writing on that. Like you know that moment when this was the moment. Yeah. West Virginia. Why are you saying that? It's creepy. It's certainly creepy. There's a comet then we can go. That's what Jared sings all the time. I've never sung that once. Well, that is Huska Castle, Blatisi, Czech Republic. Blasha. I don't actually speak that bullshit. Huska Castle, known locally as the Gates to Hell in the Czech Republic, it is thought to be one of the most haunted locations in the world. Demonic entities are said to be seen in the chapel, along with strange moaning, screams, and voices. I want to know about this strange moaning. It looks more like a big house than anything. Well, it was converted into a house at a certain point. Uh, it It was an early Gothic castle that was built in 1253 during the reign of Autocar, the second of Bohemia. It was turned from a Gothic castle into a Renaissance chateau in the 16th century. Now, you, you got to imagine, uh, like, Eastern European countries, they were in the Dark Ages, like, a lot longer than everybody else. So, oh, like, yeah, they're still there, kind of. No, I mean, they, they, had, like, they had, like, weird little kings and tiny little kingdoms for, like, a lot longer than everybody else had. When everybody else had empires, they were just like, yo, I'm still king. The Balkans. The castle is located 47 kilometers north of Prague in Blatis. It is situated in a remote area with no strategic value, and it is not situated on any trade route. Man, that sucks. This they sounds like the kind fuck. of place where vampires come from. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's it's way out of the way. The area is surrounded by swamps and thick forests, surrounded by sandstone mountains. That just further cements that there's vampires there. Yeah. Legend says that the castle was constructed on top of a bottomless pit, which locals believe to be the gate to hell. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. This is this is the place to go if you're really if you're really looking to be inspired for your heavy metal band. You know, if you're trying to songwrite, this is the place to get inspired. That's where the font was invented too, the heavy metal band font. It's when you're so scared you can't write correctly. It was said that there were half-animal, half-human creatures inhabiting it and black-winged creatures coming from it, possibly bats. Yeah, I guess. Local legend says, Huska Castle was built to keep the evil in. The castle's chapel built directly over the gates of hell to keep them closed. That's metal as fuck. When construction of the castle began, local prisoners who had been sentenced to death were invited to the site and offered a reprieve for being lowered down into the cave and then reporting their findings. Good lord. (laughs) Shit. All right. Okay, would you do that if you say you're life in prison? Yeah. Life in prison, you can't get out, no parole, right? Yeah. And they say, okay, we want to lower you into this pit, which we believe is the gateway to hell, and and then we're going to pull you back up, and you tell us what you saw, and then you're free. Keep I in mean, mind, prisons back then were a lot worse. Prisons were bad. I'm going to yeah. say no. Yeah, for life in prison, no. But un- well, you're a woman. They would have executed you. Yeah, the, these people were sentenced to death. These were death row inmates, so they were going to be murdered. They were going to be killed anyway. They were going to hell anyway. Well, I was just giving the hypothetical of life in prison to you guys. I'm going to yeah. say no just because I've seen like commercials for this haunted house. That's you're going like to compare this to a haunted house? Yeah, yeah, yeah because okay. it's, like it's so scary that no one's finished it, and if you finish it, you get 20 grand, and I'm like, nah. 
pass. Oh, I would do that. What? Where's this? Yeah. It's in North Carolina. Of course it is. But like apparently, Jared's hometown. No, apparently what? they'll like grab you and shave your head and <laughs> shit. That doesn't scare me. Oh, so they have so like you get you're getting abused. It's yeah. not just like they're jumping out. And yeah, you're getting out. abused, and it's ten hours long. Ten hours for twenty. Ten, I'll do it. I mean, it, I mean, in my mind, I'm like that's better than working in an office for a year. But I'm also like, nah, it's a little scary. So this I uh, wouldn't do. No, I, I, you know, I think I would do it in both cases. Are you allowed to fight the people? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Well. That doesn't seem right if they're allowed to fight you and shave your head. Well, that's part of the challenge, John. Yeah, well, I mean, I did SEER training in the Marine Corps, and you were allowed to fight back on that. Sounds like yeah, the same thing, you, except you don't get 20 yeah, grand. Yeah, you didn't get 20 grand. There wasn't 20 grand. And it lasts line. for like a week. Yeah, this seems way easier. I'll yeah. fight those. Well, you know what? I won't even fight the guys. What are they going to do? What are they going to fucking do to me? Uh, they're going to shave your head. And shave my head, okay. Poop on you. And they're going to pull down your pants and laugh at your underpants. Oh. Can't handle that. They're going to take out. a picture of you in your underpants and send it to a girl you like. Oh, <laughs> no. And then she's going to laugh at you. Yeah, this this haunted house scam. This sounds like a scam right here. I feel like, a, like, I feel like for 20 grand, there's a guy in North Carolina like, yeah, I'll do that shit. I know that does. It does seem weird that no one's completed. It. Yeah, a North Carolina man can't do this. Come on, there'll be like a trucker. They'll do it on his break. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, mu- it must be. Uh, they or must... he'll do it without even knowing what's happening. Yeah, they must have like a screening process, like they do on like uh, uh like those scared uh prank shows, scary oh, prank yeah. shows, where oh, they yeah. like, oh, we don't let anyone who looks like they're gonna fight or be litigious. No, on they the show. Uh, they make you sign like this twenty page document. You have to get a drug test and oh, a so it's physical. like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Yes. Like you could be written out of that shit easy. Oh, very yeah. easy. They only let bitches in. So, all right, fuck these scamming North Carolinans. All right, let's go back to a real haunted house. Uh, yeah. The first volunteer was lowered down, and after only a few seconds after disappearing into the darkness, his screams were heard above. That sounds normal. Yeah. For this type of pit. For the gateway to hell, yeah. Uh, when inf- when unfortunate fellow was pulled to the surface, his hair had gone white and he was still screaming. The prisoner was sent to an insane asylum where he died two days later from unknown causes. Man, he That's he got crazy. Out, went right back in. Yep. During the late 1930s, the Nazis took over. Because the of course they fucking did. Well, why wouldn't they? <laughs> they were super hard for this kind of stuff. Uh, they took over the castle and carried out experiments on dimensional portals and other fringe uh, psychic experiments. Physics. Physics experience. Uh, in the inner courtyard, the skeletons of three German soldiers were unearthed. All three had been executed. Good. You know, I think this is the basis for that book. Um, shit, The Citadel? I can't remember what it's called, but it's... These uh, a group of Nazis take over this uh, fortress in like Transylvania somewhere, and there's like it turns out it's because there's like a ancient like a, vampire buried under there. All of this sounds like the plot to a Hellboy movie. Yeah. Uh, you want to take over, Lauren? Yeah. <clears throat> Huska Castle has more than its fair share of ghosts just outside the front gates. People have claimed to see a large, headless, black horse running around with blood gushing from its neck. That's Ugh. even creepier than a headless Ugh. man is a yeah. headless horse. Yeah, that, that sounds... That, I don't like think, even thinking about that. Yeah, it's said to run towards the front of the castle and jump into the air and vanish. 
Guests have also claimed to see a line of people chained together walking towards the castle. Each person along the chain has a horrific injury. Ugh. Some people are said to be carrying their heads and other body parts, so a lot of them are just holding their dicks. Literally every sentence of this article has been more metal than the last sentence. Yes. A giant black dog is said to be attacking and biting the people along the chain. Some of these sightings have lasted several minutes. God, they have some fucked up horror stories in Chechnya. Yeah. A prominent writer stayed at the castle at the end of the 1800s, and he reported that he saw a black-winged creature flying around the inner courtyard, which he believed to be uh, demons. Some dogs behave strangely in the courtyard as if spooked. Then they run to a bridge and jump off. <laughs> the chapel in the castle was built over the bottomless well, or so the locals claim, and it is here that the gateway to hell is said to be located. Investigators who have tried to find a bottom have not been able to find one in the well. The walls of the chapel are covered with some of the oldest paintings in Europe. Most are of demons and dragons being slain. Workers in the courtyard have heard voices coming from the chapel. Uh, on investigation, no one's there. A black figure has been seen on the upper floor and thought to be the ghost of an unknown male. Is believed that the Germans carried out their experiments in this room. So this is where like some ghost hunter team needs to go. How has yeah. it not been a documentary Zach on this Baggins, place yet? Go here. Yeah, Ghost Bros. Zach Baggins just get lowered into the pit. Yeah, yeah, lower Zach Baggins in that shit. Yeah, where's the ghost antagonizers when you need them? Demonic entities are said to be seen in the chapel. Strange moaning, screams, and voices, ooh. and ooh, and. Uh, in many languages, are said to be heard coming from below the chapel. Hi, Poppy. <laughs> Witnesses over the years have claimed to see something in the area of the chapel that looks like a cross between a human, a giant frog, and a bulldog. Oh, yeah, that's feral yeah. hog liger, man. I wonder which part is human frog. And, like, what is it? Like, the head of a frog? The, I don't know. The ass of a human? No, because it's got to be the face of a bulldog because that's the only discernible part of a bulldog. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. So, so it's it, got to be the face of a bulldog. Body of a frog, ass of a human. It's <laughs> just butching, just cheeks <laughs> clapping. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's a man's that's ass. That's a man's ass. On the third floor, the ghost of a beautiful young woman in a white dress has been seen. She's often peering out of a window. No one knows who she is, but she appears to be the most normal of all the ghosts in and around the castle. Jeromir Smitternek and some friends were having a drink on the third floor when his glass started to move around the table, then lifted up in the air, and the whole group witnessed it. The glass then lowered itself back to the table and slid to the table center. A particularly nasty presence has been felt in the hunting lodge. Uh, one guest, Zedna Vizlova, was re relaxing in the room with her husband when they both heard a strange noise like something heavy was hitting the floor close to them. Zedna turned and saw two dark figures on the stairs that they had no distinguishable features. She believes one whispered something about killing some young girls. Shadow Whoa. people. The cellar is nicknamed Satan's Office. Good I'm, nickname. Yeah, good nickname. It even has a throne embellished with horns and a trident. Fuck I feel yeah. like you could have moved that out if you yeah. wanted to. Yeah. Black robed faceless a black robed faceless priest has been seen materializing in front of the throne and walking up the steps before vanishing. That's fucking metal. Oh here we go, guys. Just recent uh in two thousand nine in nine, 
Not recently. In not, not recently at all. Yeah, yeah. Ten years ago. Ten years ago, TV's Ghost Hunters International team came to Huska Castle and carried out a paranormal investigation in their and in their opinion, the castle is definitely haunted. Well, yeah, fuck this shit. <laughs> I'm 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 glad that they came up with that on their own. Yeah, yeah they figured they, it out. <laughs> yeah, they cracked this case. Yeah, that's that's a fucking that's scary a creepy place. ass place. Yeah. I yep. don't know. I think they should continue the experiments with the bottomless pit. Well, yeah, yeah. Are, are they saying that they can't get to the bottomless pit anymore? Like the chapel covers it or something? I don't know. Not that I've seen. I mean, it, at one point they mentioned that like they've tried to find the bottom and no one has. So it's got to be accessible. Yeah, but this is in the Czech Republic. They Their ropes are yeah. max 100 feet long. Yeah, no one has a GoPro. I say we throw we throw Zach Baggins down there and see what just, his just, what no he no sees. we throw Aaron down there not yeah. Zach oh yeah. poor Aaron no we throw no, that's Zach that's his job Aaron's on the show. taking enough shit he, you, poor Aaron you tell him hey we're gonna leave you by the well by yourself <laughs> and then jump out of the bushes and go boo and he'll go oh and fall backwards yeah you put him in a dog cage and lower him down there <laughs> you gotta rattle the dog poor guy cage. he's gonna yeah. come up all aged thirty years yeah. yeah his hair won't be white though I have a I have theory on that yeah i think that like i i've not i haven't had the theory like long enough to like look it up so this is like guesswork you think he got scared into aging no i think that's like, from a cartoon no i think that like i wonder if there's just, like some sort of like like a uh, gases or whatever like that could like bleach your hair out or whatever it happened to keanu reeves and dracula no i'm telling like like uh Shit. What? What? Uh, so like a uh, sulfur fume? Yeah, I'm thinking like sulfur. Can fumes. sulfur fumes dye your hair white? I don't know. Uh, like I guess if it'd it would be was... bleaching it. Yeah, it'd be bleaching it. Like I'm wondering if maybe maybe like, it's ammonia some... fumes. That could be it. Like some weird fucking fumes, like bleaching your it's hair. It's like the ancient shit. Greek oracles. There's like gases coming up out of there that can give you visions, or yeah, go down in there it'll just kill you. So he went in there, had a bad trip, fucked his body up, and he died a couple yeah. days later. Turns out the bottom of that well, meth lab. Meth lab. Walter White. Yep, breaking bad. El Camino. Alright, now it's time for our segment, You Believe in What? 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 You believe in what? 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 The story of Bobby Jindal and an apparent exorcism you probably haven't heard. Ooh, this guy is- so this is Bobby Jindal. He's like what? He's the former governor of Louisiana. He's gross looking. Oh, okay. He's the first Indian American to be a serious candidate for president. This was uh, a while ago. Yeah, he, the Louisiana Republican governor's bid also adds another little-known first. He's the first presidential candidate that we know of to participate in an apparent exorcism. Ooh, fun. He's got my vote. Well, he, he, he was the governor, so I think they're downplaying that he was a governor. Because, like, well, this was written in 2015. So this was before, like, crazy people were running for the president in a serious way. Yeah, he was Republican, too. 
So this was like the craziest person that had run for president up until this point. Well, that's not true either. Here's the story. Jindal, the son of Indian immigrants, grew up in grew up Hindu but converted to Christianity as a teenager. He would read the Bible by flashlight in a closet so as not to upset his parents. Oh, he's a rebellious he's Christian. He's a bad boy. Yeah. Uh... And he got baptized as a Catholic while attending Brown University. Ooh, never mind. Catholic. Yeah. As Anne Gowen and Tyler Bridges write in the Washington Post, Jindal has made Christianity a central part of his life ever since. Back in 1994, the now 44-year-old had just finished studying at Oxford University as a Rhodes Scholar. I don't know what that is, but I know it's impressive. Yeah, you have to be super smart. Uh, he moved to Washington to work at the major consulting firm McKinsey when he wrote a piece in the Catholic magazine, the New Oxford Review, retitled Beating a Demon, Physical Dimensions of Spiritual Warfare. Wow. And there's a link to that. I will put in the show notes. Oh, no, page not found. Okay. Dang oh, it. Oh, yeah. The, uh, that's, yeah been ta- that's been taken down since, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> In it, Jindal described a woman and fellow Christian he had befriended at Brown. He kind of liked Susan. Jindal says he changed some names in the story, but was afraid of committing to her. So they just stayed friends. What a good guy. Over a period of of a few weeks, Susan found out that one of her close friends at home had committed suicide and that she had skin cancer. Oof, that's a bad week. That is a bad week. Shortly after that, Jindal and Susan started having... Visions and smell. Uh, Susan started having visions and smelling like sulfur. Uh, sulfur, Jindal noted, supposedly accompanies the devil. Yeah. But he didn't piece it all together until a meeting of friends praying for Susan's health. Susan was, was there to receive their prayers. And we'll let Jindal take it from here. Suddenly, Susan. Anybody? Suddenly, Susan. Seymour. Suddenly, Susan emitted some strange guttural sounds and fell to the floor. She knows how to come. She started thrashing about as if in some sort of seizure. Susan's sister must have recognized what was happening, for she ordered us to gather around and place our hands on Susan's prostrate body. I tentatively approached the group and placed the edge of my fingertip on her shoulder. Oh, he's like testing the waters, like see if the hot tub's too hot. Oh, jeez. I just, I, I didn't want to get right in there. You know, like, I, I smoked marijuana, but I didn't inhale. It didn't exhale. <laughs> so he put his fingertip on her shoulder. In a voice I had never heard uh, before or since, Susan accused me, Bobby, you cannot even love Susan. And it was right. And that demon was right. <laughs> the students, led by Susan's sister, Louise, a member of a charismatic church, engaged in a loud and desperate prayers while holding Susan with one hand. Kneeling on the ground, my friends were chanting, Satan, I command you to leave this woman. Others exhorted all demons leave in the name of Christ. Whenever I concentrated long enough to begin prayer, I felt some type of physical force distracting me. It was as if something was pushing down on my chest, making it very hard for me to breathe. Being a biology major at the time, I greeted this feeling with skepticism and rational explanations. I checked my pulse for signs of nervousness and wondered what could cause such a sensation. Shortness of breath is a common symptom that can mean very little or may signal the onslaught of a fatal stroke. Though I could find no cause for my chest pains, I was very scared of what was happening to me and Susan. I began to think that the demon would only attack me if I tried to pray or fight back. 
Thus, I resign myself to leaving it alone and attempt to find peace for myself. What a bitch, right? Yeah. You're yeah. supposed to fight with all your might, motherfucker. I thought you kind of liked Susan. Nope. Not no, as much no, as he liked I mean, himself. The demon called him out, and he was right. He's like, yeah, let me, he's like, making yeah. some points. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Like, I can't. I just can't feel like I can't love. I don't Susan think. Right now. I don't think that's presidential material. Now he's not running again. No, he's well, running away from an exorcism is definitely not presidential. That's not material. presidential material. Yeah, yeah, you think Obama ran away from his exorcism? Absolutely not. Nope. The students dared Susan to read biblical. Uh, the students dared Susan to read biblical passages. She choked on certain passages and could not finish the sentence. Jesus is Lord. Over and over, she repeated, "Jesus is often ending in profanity. Profanities. Your mom sucks dicks in hell, Bobby Jindal. Your mother sucks cocks in hell. Just as suddenly she went into the trance, Susan suddenly reappeared and claimed Jesus is Lord. With an almost comical smile, Susan then looked up as awakening from a deep sleep and asked, Has something happened? Huh. This guy is the most full of shit Indian I've ever met. No, I believe him. I never met it. Yes. Wait. The demon was giving him license, like, you can't love Susan Bobby Jindal. You don't even love yourself. I believe it. You. I, I, you know, I believe, I, I believe this happened. I believe, I don't think he would write this. I mean, he wrote it when he was younger. Yeah. Yeah, he wrote a whole book. And it's since been taken down. But, who I don't would, know. Who would write something that made them look like a fucking coward? Like a coward yeah, and a lunatic. Like a yeah, if it wasn't real. Yeah, if if you're making it up, you're gonna be the hero. Yeah. You're gonna be like the Catholic boy that put his hand in, and yeah. suddenly the demon was gone. Why wouldn't? Why would? Yeah. Why would you lie about being a total bitch? Like. I think this is the first you believe in one that we were like, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm on board with it. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. All right. That's our Halloween episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and th- uh, sorry that we haven't put out many episodes, but we're we're gonna do more. Jared's fault. He keeps taking trips to West Virginia. This I don't was, know. This was the trick or treat episode. The trick was that we haven't put out an episode. The treat is this one. Is this episode? Yeah. yeah. This so episode. We, we should do it. We should do a Christmas one. There's lots of spirits at Christmas. Well, definitely. Yeah. If anything, we'll at least do a Christmas one. I'd like to do more. Yeah. Also, I'm not from West Virginia. Please stop saying that song. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next time.